This show is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. Welcome to Series 8, Episode 3 of the Binary Time Show on this 1st of August 2020 as we chuckle our way through the intro. Uh, we're just so happy to be back. <laughs> <laughs> this is Wayne here from a... Um, well, clear skies outside at the moment and a uh, mm. little bit of rustles of the... Of the uh, leaves on the trees as I look out at a eucalyptus tree. There's some insider information. Hope it doesn't give away my location. And um, <laughs> my Witter app is telling me 17 degrees nine in the morning, 19 in noon, 13 to 15 in the evening. And it's saying sun and rain on the Witter app, but I don't know if I believe that, actually. I would settle for sun and cloud, winds of about... Uh, on average, about 20 kilometers per hour. You've heard him already over there on the other side. We have Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. It's actually, I'm smiling because the sun is shining for a change mm -hmm. here so far. And um, even though Witcher is telling me it's going to be kind of sunny and cloudy with rain. So a typical Irish day, it looks like. Uh but it is saying by noon that it should just uh, be sunny and cloudy. So I'm looking forward to that because we're supposed to be having a barbecue today. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is a, a bank holiday here. And I suppose we have to celebrate Sisabin Day too, So, which was yesterday. So how better to celebrate all these wonderful things than with a lovely barbecue? Gosh, you're making me feel bad now. I'll have to, I'll have to make an effort. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I, even though I suppose it should be pizza for sysadmin day, but sure, that was yesterday anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't think too many sysadmins would be too put out if you uh, had a barbecue instead. Indeed, indeed. So, um, another fortnight has passed. Too quickly. I, I was kind of sitting here this morning and going, my gosh, like where did the last two weeks go? It's it is a bit mad, all right. I always think after we've done an episode, I take a sigh of relief. No disrespect, listeners, but uh, just in the <laughs> in what it takes to you know get the episode out and editing and all that sort of stuff. You know, you feel like you have mm. a bit of a break after it, and that and, uh, before you know it, you're sitting we're sitting down looking at each other again. Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it weekly. I don't think so either. I think we might need staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, dare I ask, what have you been up to in the last fortnight? Well, yeah, I suppose um, I've actually been uh, quite busy with work. And I don't know if you could hear that in the background, but that was my volophone chirping away. Yes, and I, I love the way you brought it around to an open source kind of issue. Brilliant. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, um, I've been using my my volophone. Um it's been great, apart from, I suppose, late last week, I had some major issues with one of the, the updates and that the, the phone was just constantly restarting after it. And it was uh, quite problematic for a, 
a a day or more, but uh, I just uh, updated it again yesterday and uh, back to back to normality. Everything is working and um, I've been using it to test my uh, Taurus Mox Wi-Fi. Amazing. I am. I'm actually really excited to hear about this because I think it was back in uh, 2017. You mentioned the Taurus Mox. <laughs> 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 yes, it would be probably about that. And uh, I I did the whole, was it an Indiegogo or Kickstarter? I did some fundraising campaign anyway. I suppose for, for people that aren't aware, Taurus is a, a project, for want of a better word. No, it is a project, I suppose, of uh, CZNIC. They've released uh, two products so far. You've got the Taurus Omnia and you've got the Taurus Mox. So the Taurus Omnia is an incredibly powerful open source, open hardware router with all the, the firmware open and everything as well. And it's quite a powerful bit of kit. I mean, it's got two gig of RAM. I think it's 1.6 gigahertz ARM processor in it. Um, and you can use it for not just as your router, but also as your wireless access point, uh, switch, uh, server. You can use it as a NAS, all this kind of stuff. So it's a really powerful device. And then to complement that, you have the Taurus Mox, which came after the Taurus Omnia. And that is a less powerful device. It's got a, a gigahertz processor. My version came with 512 megabytes of RAM, uh, but now the starter kits come with one gigabyte of RAM. So the whole idea behind the Taurus Mox is that it's modular, right? So you can build it. You, you start off with the, the Taurus Mox starter, <laughs> right? And that's just, the, that's just the processor and a single Ethernet port. Uh, you can add a Wi-Fi module to that and you can add PoE to it as well. So what I went for was the the classic. With the Taurus Mox Classic, you have the processor, uh, you have the Wi-Fi module, and I went for the eight port uh, Ethernet switch. So, um, and what you do then is you just stick them all together using a PCI a connector. It's not actually a PCI bus. It's a, I think it's called a MOX bus or something. But and that's another great thing about this device is that all the the hardware is open. You can look up all the schematics online. All the firmware is open. And I like the way you can kind of build it. Now it is incredibly finicky to to take apart and to put back together. And I suppose I also wonder. Is it something that you should be taking apart and putting together very often? Because I could see pieces breaking and stuff like that. Um, okay. But I mean, at the moment, it's very solid. It, it kind of, it's kind of a honeycomb lattice shaped. It fits together nicely. Uh, it's quite solid for something that's put together, you know. So it's it's a nice bit of kit. So far, I have it on my network, but all I have on it is a, a laptop and um, various devices like my Volophone. 
So it's not sitting at the edge of your network yet? No, it's, it's just testing. Okay. Basically, at the moment, um, I'm really impressed with it though. Like the the Wi-Fi module, I have it in just in the the office here, and I can get Wi-Fi all throughout the house. Great. Yeah. Whereas um, this is the only device so far that will do that for me. Uh, the the air router that came with my air subscription uh, doesn't reach throughout the house, so I have um, the BT home Wi-Fi kind of mesh network devices. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so that's how I get Wi-Fi throughout the house. I find with the Taurus Mox, I have uh, 2.4 gigs everywhere. The, the 5 gigahertz, uh, not so much. Yeah. It's not really designed for distance 5 gigahertz, though, is it? I mean, it's meant to be more proximity. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, on the, the five gigahertz, when I go on the likes of fast.com or something, I'm getting 60 megabit per second, which is fairly close to what I can get just through my actual router. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, okay. You know, which is quite good. And I'm getting, depending on where I am in the house, I'm getting between uh, nine and 20 megabits per second on the 2.4 gig. Okay, that's not too shabby either. No, not at all. So for for wireless stuff, it's it's quite good, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's more than you need. So so you have it in let's say a testing environment at the moment. Um, so can I ask what the OS is that is running in uh, on this device? I suppose that was one of the things this. Uh, prompted me, apart from yourself, Wayne, of course, <laughs> prompted me to kind of bring the Taurus out of its uh, storage. <laughs> and uh, that was the fact that uh, Taurus OS has recently been bumped to version 5. Now, it's it's Linux-based and it's OpenWRT-based. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, got a version 4.14 kernel. Uh, I'm not sure what version of OpenWRT it's using, but it's um, I'm on Taurus 5.0.4 at the moment. Okay, that's a reasonable kernel release as well, as in, you know, as in because some of these devices go a bit too far back, if you know what I mean, when you're looking at kernels. Yeah, uh, 4.14 is a LTS kernel. Okay. If I remember correctly, I suppose I could just quickly check kernel.org to be sure. Yeah, 4.14 is a long term. And the latest, 4.14.191, was just released yesterday on Sysadmin Day. Okay. And I could check that in a moment, see what actual kernel version I am using. Oh, it's 4.14.187. So not far behind at all. Yeah, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, really good. Now, what's yeah. uh, what's stopping you putting this on the edge of your network? Uh, nothing, apart from me, really. But I suppose when I uh, decided to take it out and start using it and everything, I just did a bit of reading first and... I noticed that there was a, a bit of um, people were giving out about the, the Wi-Fi. Okay. 
and saying this uh, it was a bit flaky and everything, you know. So I said just to err on the side of caution, and I spent ages as well. <laughs> I haven't really been like at one stage because it's modular. It's it's probably the worst thing for me because it's giving me too many choices. So <laughs> I kind of started off, and I had the the classic built basically, right? And then I said no, no, I'll just uh, start off with the the starter version and see how I go with that and see what it's like. And then I said, no, 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 I'll do the, I'll do the Wi-Fi bit as well. And then I took out the Wi-Fi bit and just had it as a, a switch in the, with a router port. And uh, then I said, no, in all fairness, I have to try it all out. And especially when I was reading about the, the Wi-Fi, I said, I need to give the Wi-Fi a go and see if it really is yeah. good or bad, or if they've been able to sort out those issues. So I just uh, built it up to its its fullest, and uh, I've been testing the the Wi-Fi. I've been using it on laptops and um, on the the Volophone and the BQ four point five, and I've no issues whatsoever. In fact, I, I listened to the the bugcast last night <laughs> uh, on the the laptop uh, using the the Wi-Fi, and there were no issues. Gosh, there you go. Open source heaven all the way. Open source heaven all the way. So, <laughs> And it's really nice to know that you're using hmm. open source hardware. And the setup was just so easy. You go through a number of questions, you know, how you want to set it up. And it by default, it's using DNSSEC. Okay. You know, you actually have to disable DNSSEC. Uh, if you don't want to use it. So, I mean, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And there's also, you can also participate in a program that CZ Nick do where you send them your information and your your data so that they can uh, basically uh, trace any malicious things going on on the internet and update your router with it and everything. Now I haven't gone that far yet, but I think if I am going to put it into into full production, which to be honest, I probably will at yeah. this stage, I think I will be participating in that program. The good thing about putting it into f- uh, full production, full production, um, and uh, no disrespect to your family, but uh, you will find out pretty quick <laughs> yeah, what's working is. and what's not working, you know? I, if you put yeah, it into yeah. any family, you'll find out pretty quick what's working and what's not working. But, um, yeah. uh, and to have that kind of, it's often that sense of urgency that makes you act. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah it'd be really interesting to uh, uh, to see it. I, I really like the idea of it and, and, and love the, again, like you say, knowing you're op- using open hardware. I mean, that's kind of what we're all about here, isn't it? Uh, as open as possible. And I, I know. And I, I'm kind of a bit um, like I got this in March of 2019. And it's just been sitting on a, on a shelf since then waiting <laughs> to for me to, I got as far as opening up the box and um, testing everything out uh, briefly after I got it, and for whatever reason, it just went back in the box and yeah, sat there. <laughs> we work too much. That's what the problem is. You know, there's just uh, work gets in the way of actually having a life and doing the things we want to do. Yes, yes, that's too true. Unless you are working, doing the things you want to do. If that is you, then well done. Um, even though that wasn't my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah, no matter 
how much you love your job because and i have to say i am i i do think i've come the closest to my ideal job that i could ever hope for you know but even then there's a certain amount of tedium and stuff that you don't want to do and stuff you have to do yeah to any job you know i think a certain amount is kind yeah and no matter what way you look at it it's taking eight hours plus out of your day Mm -hmm. every day yeah until you retire (laughs) (laughs) beautiful beautiful (laughs) cool well that all sounds amazing i'm looking forward to hear how you um how it goes in production and um i yeah just bring it on you know Mm. yeah hopefully now uh over the next couple of weeks i'll have uh to more more to tell about it you know yeah yeah awesome yeah so far so good excellent loving it Mm. yeah how about yourself what have you been at I have been doing so much and being so all over the place in the last fortnight. A kind of a, a sort of a, a, a strange thing kind of happened in a way that uh, a sort of long lost contact appeared in my Telegram contacts and I, 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 I pinged them a quick message and uh, it's been such a whirlwind of, uh, of uh, information has gone over and back since, uh, since catching mm. up with this chap um, that uh, it's been it's been great actually it's been great there's been for example yesterday um, the, the, the chap's name is D and I've been doing a soldering lesson with him and I was having such a, ha- a horrible time I got a strip of LEDs and um, and uh, of, of which he gave me actually and um, and I wanted to just solder on a couple of little wires a black and a red wire onto it and this patch is about the the soldering contact is about one millimeter and like i swear like soldering drives me a bit insane soldering is something you have to be doing a lot to be any good at it because it's so finicky it's really finicky and of course I just think I'll heat up the iron, melt some solder and stick it on the thing and chuck the wire onto it and oh man it was just such a nightmare. So D offered <laughs> to give me a soldering lesson over the air and it was really really good actually. I'm still crap at it but um, at least I have uh, I have some more information than I had before I started so thanks D for that, that was, that was really amazing. Oh God, I've been doing so much stuff, but let's go on this one. I've been looking into a little bit of home automation. Not that I want to completely automate my home or anything, but I do find the... I do. F- I just find it interesting. And also, not home automation to the point of, uh, hey, Google, turn on the lights. I'm not really interested in that side of it. I just want, if I do anything in this home automation world, I want it all to be internal on my LAN with nothing leaving my LAN. So it's all just inside my home. I'm just thinking, have you seen this uh, ads for um, uh, Virgin Broadband and your one has her Google Assistant and she's just dancing around the house saying, hey, you, turn on and do all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're imagining me like that, uh, that, you've (laughs) definitely got the wrong person there. (laughs) I might be grumpily going, turn on the lights, turn on the lights. (laughs) Oh yeah, I don't have voice automated stuff. I've got to, I've got to write code. Um, 
But initially, I, I mentioned in the last show that, um, that my partner kindly got me a an eight gig Raspberry Pi, and I've been kind of playing mm. a little bit with Docker on that. And unfortunately, Docker's taken a back seat a little bit. But I have to go back and oh, there's just so much technology in so little time. But yeah. From my bit of research, um, so I was I had Home Assistant on a Docker image, and I had a load of other Docker images doing various other different things. Um, but uh, DM from who's on the Makers Corner, another good kind of Makers podcast, actually, um, it oh, was, yes. was uh, told me that it's actually better if you put Home Assistant or a, a build of Home Assistant onto a dedicated machine, basically. So what I ended up doing was I've put Home Assistant on a Raspberry Pi. Hang on, I'm, I'm holding it up here for you, Mark, but just because I want to show off my labeling. And I put Home Assistant <laughs> on a Raspberry Pi and it's a dedicated box and it has an IP address. And you're so organized, labeling and everything. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can't not be. I can't not be because I, I, I'm the one who has to troubleshoot all this stuff. And uh, I, I need to make this stuff as easy as possible for me. Yeah. But so, so, so now that Home Assistance is on a dedicated Pi and the build that he sent me, um, I'll have a link in the show notes to it, I, it. But it includes this mode called supervise mode. And what that allows you to do is in to, ins to install extra add-ons onto Home Assistant that wouldn't be available if you're just using the straight Docker image. So the image that is now on my Raspberry Pi gives me the add-ons plus all the integrations. And it allows you to add these extras in a much simpler way than just using the straight Docker image on, uh, on uh, you know, mixed in with a whole lot of other Docker images, basically. Mm. So I would, if, if anyone's interested in looking into this, I would recommend that you basically put your home assistant on a dedicated machine or on a VM. On a VM is fine as well. But the Docker image itself, well, it just takes a bit more maintenance, basically. So, and again, um, this next bit was another recommendation from D is um, I bought myself four Sonoff Basics. Now, the Sonoff Basic is an ESP chip, hmm. um, which is a little microcontroller chip with a relay attached to the board. And also on the board is uh, it, it, the board also gets power from the... So this little device sits in line. For example, let's say you have a bedside light. You actually snip your bedside light uh, cable in half and you have an in. You send the electricity in one side and out the other side. And the ESP and the relay sit in between. And the ESP just talks over Wi-Fi. So I'm using the MQTT brokering system to send data to my home assistant uh, version. So look, all I have working at the moment, and, and it's really simple, um, and, and I'm a bugger for just getting things to the point of working and not following through to the full automation, <laughs> because I've, I've, I've put myself through the uh, what needs to be done in order to be able to implement this stuff, but to turn it into a whole auto home automation system, watch this space, that might take a bit longer than what it took me to get to here yeah but at the moment i have i'm using home assist i've got a very simple setup i've got one light with with that sonoff basic the good thing about those sonoff basics is they're really cheap so for example i got a set of four for 18 quid so i can automate four different 
well, I, I suppose lights is the immediate sort of um, thing that springs to mind. But anything you want to switch up. Anything could, with a switch. Anything with a switch. Exactly. Exactly. So it could be a heater or, 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 or whatever. Now, you do have to be a bit careful with them because it doesn't take care of a ground um, wire. So you might need to wire the ground wire directly um, outside of the box, etc. You know, to make sure you've got a ground wire still going through your device. So it just it just takes live and neutral. And I, I, I personally was a bit nervous sort of uh, dealing with the 240 volt electricity bit. All of a sudden I felt like, OK, I need to get this right. I need clean connections. I need to make sure there's no chance of uh, of a, um, uh, a short or any of this sort of stuff. You know, I really kind of took care in putting it together, even though I know it's all fused anyway. And uh, it would just blow, blow a fuse in the... Um, in the in the RCD unit, I think it's called, uh, in, in where your fuse box is in your home. So 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 sorry to bring this around. So I've got Home Assistant running twenty four seven on a Raspberry Pi, and all it is doing at the moment, it, I have it in such a way that. It switches my bedside light on at about 10.15. You're getting insider information here. I, I'm, that, that's when I go to bed. And what's really funny is, actually, I leave, I leave the room at maybe half 10 or something or my, where I'm working, and I walk around the corner up the stairs and the light is on waiting for me. It's, it's a stupid <laughs> thing, but it's actually... It, I it's just really went, cool. Uh, yeah, it is really cool because I'm not kind of uh, bimbling around outside, you know, kind of, oh, uh, you know, and it's the light in, in my room, so... It's it's like it's there's a little glow out of the room saying, oh, come to bed. <laughs> but um, and, and it automatically switches itself off at about 10.45. And that's when I'm probably, you know, I might be listening to a podcast or, or whatever. And, uh, and sometimes my partner's next to me and she's like, suddenly the light goes off by itself. And she's kind of looking at me really crossly, the fact that I've automated this stuff. And she has to turn over and actually switch hers off. But um, look, it's... It's all been a bit of fun, actually, and I've learned a lot along the way. And yeah. um, and there's loads more to learn, of course, and there's loads of other things I'd like to purchase. Um, and if, unfortunately, some of this stuff is only available in the States. So if any of our listeners would like to um, send uh, help, help me purchase some of this stuff, I'd be, uh, I'd, be, I'd be absolutely delighted. I can't believe I'm doing a call out of the show. You'll be paid up front, of course. And I'm mainly talking about the Wisecam stuff there because they come with some really nice little magnetic sensors. So you've got like, so for example, like a, a you know, a door open uh, or a window open sensor and, um, you know, that can trigger other events. And what's also really nice about this home assistant stuff is it kind of recognizes sunrise and sunset for where you are in your area. So you can write these little automations in at maybe 20 minutes before sunset, turn on this light or turn on or at when the temperature reaches 15 degrees, uh, turn the heating up to this sort of level. You know, it's kind of, it almost seems a bit geeky and a bit kind of way over the top. Oh, what, why am I doing this? I'll just go and turn the heating on when I'm friggin' ready to turn the heating on. This sounds ridiculous. But actually, once you do it and have a little play with it and see the power of it and um, everything else is automated in our lives. Um, so why not add another bit of craziness into the mix? Absolutely. And I think... To be energy efficient, you really need to maintain just stable temperatures. So if if you're going to do that manually, you're never going to get it right because you're just going to feel, oh, yeah, I feel a bit cold, so I'll turn on the heat or mm -hmm. I'm a bit too warm now, so I'll turn it off. You know, whereas if you have temperature control, it's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a good way of looking at it, actually. Yeah, I didn't 
sort of think about that side of it. But also, you know, you got motion sensors as well, these little motion sensors. Now, in this Wise pack, um, you get a... This is the pack that I'd like to purchase that doesn't post to me at the moment. But it, you get a little, um, you get a motion sensor. Am I hammering the message home a bit too much? Um, you get a motion sensor and you get a, and I think you get two uh, magnetic sensors. They might be called hall sensors. I'm not too sure. Again, I'm kind of new to this. And you get a little receiver that plugs into your Pi. Now, the receiver just talks to those devices, but the, the whole integration happens through Home Assistant. Now, the good thing about all this stuff, so I know you're buying products, but you can, uh, but the products that I'm talking about, those Sonoffs and the, and I believe the Y stuff, it can be p- flashed with a firmware called Tasmota. And Tasmota uses MQTT oh, yeah. and other, um, uh, ooh, other protocols to talk to Home Assistant and it keeps all the, um, the, the firmware does not need cloud to operate. That good stuff. I have to say, though, just going back to motion sensors, I hate them because just as an example, they were installed in work and, you know, you'd be sitting down and you could be reading a document or something. And just because you're not moving a lot, next thing, the light goes out. <laughs> so you have to start waving your hands around frantically to <laughs> the thing that you're still here. Okay. It's so annoying. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. I mean, in Home Assistant, you what you could do in that case is, you know, on activation of the motion sensor, turn the light on. Do not recheck for another 15 minutes or, you know what I mean? But leave the light on in that time. And, yeah. you know, so you could actually kind of mitigate against that of happening. You know, I, it is horrendous when, especially if I go out the front of my house at the moment, there's a motion sensor on a, on a, on a front light at the moment. I might be out taking the bins out or something. And before I know it, like in the middle of winter, Blasted the light goes life. out and I'm like, oh, geez. and you're back to this hand waving with bottles in your hands. And, you know, you just look like a bit of a freak to the neighbors, but sure, they should be used to it by now. But uh, again, thanks to DM in the uh, Maker's Corner and to D for just giving me era, lots of ideas and lots of help and lots of kind of uh, encouragement. And um, yeah, I, 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 I'll put a link to everything I've done in the show notes, which it might be a bit overwhelming in the amount of links that there is maybe to do with this. But um, it's all the stuff that I have found out um, and searched for that has worked for me that might save you having to put that time in yeah nice one i think it's good to have all that stuff in the show notes you know makes it a nice archive yeah exactly uh you know if nothing else mark it's an archive for us uh but i mean maybe that's not the way to look at it but but it certainly serves that purpose you know Mm. so also so yeah that home assistant stuff has taken up quite a bit of my world actually i've also been getting into sort of i mean i mentioned it earlier just replacing leds with um replacing old fluorescent bulbs with leds and you know i have Mm. fluorescent bulbs in some places that are drawing you know quite a few amps or maybe two or three amps and when i plug in the led equivalent of it or replace it with an led um with led lights it's drawing 0.2 amps Mm. now that's a huge saving in power yeah i can show you very briefly again i I know showing isn't helping because we don't even have a video version of this show (laughs) not yet 
but these are the little LED strips I've been sort of uh, that you get and again you can see they have tiny contacts in the strips these aren't yes. programmable or anything and that's uh, look you see the amount of um, the heat shrink I've had to put on to, to, to cover up my messy soldering yeah that's <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, let's hope it's good enough to do the job. But um, so, yeah, so I've been on that as well. So just, I don't know, the idea of saving energy using technology. I know there's probably LEDs have been around for a long time, but it's very accessible now. And uh, yes. and cutting down on energy usage using, I don't know, I guess, technology. Yeah, I think it's great. Like we've uh, we moved to LED bulbs for all of our bulbs in the house, I suppose, uh, a year or more ago. But I suppose the only ones we have, are, you know, the the ones around the, the kitchen, the, well, the spotlights, yeah. they're all still halogen. Okay. So I suppose they'd be burning through a bit of energy. But I mean, they should be re easily replaceable with uh, LEDs now as well. They probably would be now, yeah, because the fittings, uh, the, the adapter fittings are, are there, you know. Mm, I think, mm. I think anyway, I mean, it's all kind of, it's news to us, but it's all kind of new. Well, it's not new to me. I mean, in our house, all right, we do have energy saving light bulbs, I guess. But yeah, so, but they're not LEDs, I don't think. They're just energy saving bulbs. Well, maybe they are LEDs. I don't know what the heck is, uh, what's underlying, what makes an energy saving bulb to a non-energy saving bulb. What are they? The, we'll say the original energy saving bulbs were the CFLs or something. They were kind of like fluorescents, weren't they? Okay. You know, and you had the kind of the, the telephone wire wrap, more or less, yes. as a bulb. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the, the newer ones are LEDs. Okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that's, uh, so yeah, I guess that's what I've been at. A lot of soldering, a lot of messing around and playing a little bit more with maker stuff, you know, um... I bought these little microcontrollers that have, uh, oh, again, there's a lot of, it's the usual issue with time, you know, but I have these ESP32s. I might have shown you You've those. You've been going mad altogether. <laughs> I have been going crazy. But you know what's weird is these ESP32s, they're about like $4 each. Yeah, crazy money. So it's not like it's not like I'm spending a fortune. And these 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 ESP thirty twos have Wi Fi enabled, Bluetooth enabled. You can flash them, and you can just program them up to uh, do. I think there's a there's an application called ES Easy ESP that I've yet to look into that um that it gives you a, a web interface and and actually when you go on the ESP thirty two website there are lots of programming examples in C, mind you. So I've had to shift my programming kind of capabilities a little bit to move to the world of C, but it wasn't massive shift because the they're really just little example programs. And if you've done any bit of programming, you'll understand and make your way through uh, what they do. But I was really amazed by them that with just with a couple of lines of code, I could kind of turn on the Wi-Fi and I could, uh, I could get it to join my home Wi-Fi and get it to be seen on the network with an IP address. And once you've got an IP address for a thing, it becomes a powerful little device, you know. Mm. But again, more to learn, more to learn and not enough hours in the day. So I hope I just haven't um, purchased a load of electronics and uh, be pushing them in a drawer. That's quite what I don't want to happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a desperate culprit of that. But um, 
I get around to it eventually. But what I do find actually is because I've become a little bit makery in the last couple of weeks again, because um, the making side of things comes and goes with me a bit. You know, I, I know when you're listening to the show, you'll come across like sort of times where I've been talking about this little project or that little project. I mean, the, the, the all time classic has to be the Rod of Doom. But, um, <laughs> but, um, do you know what is it being good? Even though I purchased and devices in the past, actually to be able to come back to the things that I have purchased and be able to pull one out of a box and use it straight away, that does feel very nice. Yeah, yeah. So even though at the time I kind of had gone, oh, why am I sort of spending money on this stuff and I'm not even using it? But, you know, to come back to it even to three or six months later and actually to be able to explore the device and have a little play with it. I mean, even if it is three or six months later or maybe two years in the case of the Taurus Mox, um, it it is still (laughs) nice. (laughs) It is still nice to know that you can just go there, pick it up and play with it when you have it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying, really. I'm not advocating going out and spending all your money on electronics. I'm just saying that <laughs> if it interests you, there's no harm doing a little bit of investment every once in a while, is there? Oh, absolutely. And these days, electronics are actually quite cheap and stuff, you know, this stuff to play with. And the f- stuff and the fact that this hardware can be flashed with uh, an open firmware, I don't know, that just kind of makes it even more appealing to me. Absolutely. You know, and I suppose just when when you talk about how cheap electronics are, it just brings to mind, you know, should we be considering the real cost of electronics and and all that kind of stuff? But also the fact that these devices are open and I just think the idea of open hardware and open software, open firmware, all that is vitally important to all of our futures. So it's good to good to be participating in, I suppose, letting people know about it as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I, I mean, my heart sank a little bit there with your first comment, but I, the, the real cost of electronics for the sake of our um, uh, enjoyment or exploration. Um, oh man, massive area, massive area. And uh, must be time for Under the Hood. <laughs> no, I know that's a terrible response to it. And I, I, I do. Um, it does. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, Ben shared a really nice YouTube link in the um, chat recently from the VPro documentary from Soshana Zuboff. Oh, yes. Surveillance Capitalism. That's right. Yeah, that is definitely worth a watch, people. Um, I think we should put that in the show notes, really. Yeah, for sure. It was a... Um, well, it just kind of brought a few things home to me uh, and uh, in the world of am I doing enough? Mm. And um, and yes, I, I know you and I are all into our open software, open hardware and, and trying not to use proprietary models. But actually, the, the stuff that's going on in the background with facial recognition and, and uh, Pokemon Go and uh, she yeah. touched on quite a few interesting topics and a very interesting take on the whole thing. I mean, in my world, it's not even take. It's just um, that's how it is. And I take it for baton pretty much. But um, I know some other people, some people mightn't be as um what's the word i'm trying to say oh i don't know as uh yep i don't have the word to but as um no i still don't have it (laughs) fair enough 
I guess I've got my views and opinions on this stuff, and, and, and this uh, this video just kind of uh, hammers it all home to me in a way that I, that, that resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. And I would actually recommend you either read or listen to the Surveillance Capitalism book. It's a tough read or listen, mm-hmm. but it's well worth it. Yeah, it's it's an eye opener. Mm-hmm. Much like uh, Edward Snowden's permanent record, I think that's another yeah important read or listen. Yeah, sure. Just make sure you pay for cash for that <laughs> book because <laughs> otherwise you you become a person of interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just oh, it's just painful, painful and laughable at the same time. Well, it's not it's not laughable yes. at all, but it, it's just kind of painful. Yeah, and it's definitely not the the right time of the show to be kind of starting into it. But you know, this is why open openness is so important because um, surveillance capitalism, surveillance in general, it's it's all such a power struggle between society in general and certain elements of society that just want to control all of us. Yeah, you know. So you know, it's really important that we pay attention to these things and make sure that we are free and allowed to pursue our own lives. Yeah, well, that would be, that would be being nice. surveilled and being told what to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and being, being herded, you know. The- yeah, being prompted through some gamification crap to bloody go chase some Pokemon somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so that you can get them, so that you can get a McDonald's on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just, Uh, and what was really sad about that was targeting young people, you know. Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know. I guess when you're younger. It was a huge craze. Yeah. Yeah. Every kid, apart from mine, actually, I (laughs) I would like to add, uh, got into that Pokemon Go. It was disgusting, you know, and it's, it's the same thing as you mentioned, McDonald's and their Happy Meals. Specific targeting of kids is wrong. Yeah. And I don't know why we, as a society, allow it to happen. Yeah. Oh, it's Well, it, it just gets into the world of capitalism and marketing and all about the money. At the end of the day, do you know, how can I make as much profit for my organization as possible? I find it very hard, actually, uh, to even start thinking like that. And it doesn't really resonate with me. And don't get me wrong, I like having sort of some money to do the things that I need to do. But the bit that kills me is the at the expense of others or at the manipulation of others or at the and and maybe now if I was to go full circle in my electronics and had a good look at the at the expense of others um, side of things, I might be quite shocked, you know, if I saw the full line of how where that ESP came from and how it got into my hands. And uh, but I mean, you can if you're going to look into every area of your life and uh, and criticize it, you will end up doing nothing and living under a rock. Yeah, I do think. um Sorry, I can't think of her name. Shuboff, isn't it? Yes, Soshana Zuboff. She does talk about um, all these end-user license agreements, if I remember correctly. And, you know, I mean, you're you're expected to agree to these things. And yes, if you were to read them, you're reading legally, so you need to be able to interpret it. And it's going to take you... Like, I think it was her that made the point that you could just spend years of your life going through all these agreements and then at the end of it you're just gonna not accept it anyway because it's yeah 
no reasonable human would accept it. Yeah, it's... You know, but it, there's only so much time you should be expected to have to spend on these things. For sure. And this is where we need to have government regulation. In general, morality and ethics should determine that it's not okay to exploit people to the, the level that they're being exploited. And I suppose... That's not the case because people are doing it anyway, but and that's where regulation comes in. That's kind of interesting. You hit two words there that just kind of really resonated with me and actually sort of spent sent the hair stood the hairs on my back on the back of my neck up uh, in a kind of a good way because um, they don't stand up often. Um, but the um, is morality and ethics. So imagine morality and ethics in business now. That's almost an oxymoron because it shouldn't be that way. No, of course it shouldn't be, and 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 like it, because business is all about profit at the end of the day, and it doesn't seem to matter how you go about getting that profit. I'm not saying there aren't companies that 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 don't have morality and ethics in their organizations. But I work for what's supposed to be a charity. It's supposed to be a charity. It has charitable status here in the UK. And they're still using closed software. I mean, I'm the only person who cares about this in the whole organization. But they're still using closed software throughout the entire organization and getting it for a a very reasonable price, of course, because uh, because they are a charity, they get licenses very cheap so why would they why would they jump onto the linux bandwagon and look at it but i mean i mean i i got a bit sidetracked there but it should be a standard that morality and ethics are are paramount in business practice but you would think i suppose maybe a lot of the problem these days is this corporations and business only really care about shareholder value and all that kind of stuff but you would think long-term sustainable moral ethical businesses would attract more value than short-term profiteering and greed because people are going to turn away from those models very quickly. But people don't really seem to question, in, in technology especially, like anything technology related that's a new service that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon of, people will sign up to almost without question and and become part of that service. I'm thinking of big companies that I don't even want to mention the names of because they get enough airtime already. It's the whole fear of missing out thing. Everyone else is on it, so I need to be on it too. Exactly, exactly. So I don't think that morality and ethics come into it. Now, Gosh, you're really making me question. Look, I'm kind of, I didn't want to air my thoughts there, but uh, well, why not? I aired them for the last three years. But morality and ethics in home automation. Well, well, well okay. I mean, yes, I'm doing it so that I can try and save energy and blah, 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 blah. But, but actually, where have all the devices I've purchased come from? Mm. Where's the morality and ethics in business there? And I mean, right down to the phones in our pockets. I mean, hands out to those, hands up. Uh, well done to all those people who go out and purchase a fair phone. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's that's a very good point. What was really inter- interesting about that Shosana, I can't even pronounce her name, Zuboff um, documentary was she did a short section on the Amish at the very end of the video. And they have a version of Linux created for their community that does not connect to the internet. No way. Yeah. Amish and Linux, that's nuts. And they kind of, because they still, it seemed in this very short section, um, it, it, they still run a business as such, but there's no outside influence allowed into that. That, that 
that's just blown my mind. I think that's amazing. I mean, and I know we use the internet to put this message out and all this sort of stuff, but personally, and, and I use the internet to buy things. And to be honest, I don't know if we didn't have the internet in the middle of COVID times, I wonder what exactly we would do, actually. But the, the, yeah. in, the internet is a wild west, basically. And everybody wants everything immediately. I think it's the most important thing that has happened to our planet ever. It's even bigger than the printing press. I I mean, I'm taking, I, I gave you a short sigh for that one. Um, correct. But the level of exploitation on so many different levels on this thing yeah. is, is phenomenal. Yes. And I admire the Amish for actually shutting out that one thing, the, the internet, uh, for, for, for like going, okay, let's not have this bit. Computing is great. Um, let's use the power of computing. I mean, it's even surprising that they've taken that on. But, um, but they, um, but still, I like the fact that they decide to sit six, 50, 60 years behind the technology and give it time to settle. Because we're all jumping on to the yeah, moment yeah. it appears. That's, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Mm. We got a bit carried away there. <laughs> we better come round to under the hood unless you've got any pressing um, thoughts you want to push into that. No, I have to think about the sitting 50 years back kind of uh, thing because it's, it's an interesting concept. And I'd say the Amish are probably even further back than that in a lot of respects. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they also like kind of show like their their horse drawn way of life. And and mm. and and uh, they just mentioned again in that. Look, it's really worth watching that. Uh, if anyone who listens to this show, have a look at that, uh, that that uh, documentary. Um, and uh, but they require that sort of horse drawn way of way of life to just even to slow down the mind a little bit and to let everything go at a pace that is is, uh, feels more natural to them. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about Amish, but this is my interpretation of it. And um, and and that's a really interesting thing as well, because we are all flitting around like bees trying to do 50 different things in an hour. And um, it's not good. It's not good. I don't think. Yeah, it's not good. I like the idea of just not not jumping onto the, the latest hotness just because it's there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it would be interesting to sit with a computer not connected to the internet. Well, no, would it? Well, I mean, we've all got data stores of 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 uh, entertaining. Well, I certainly do of 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 um, of stuff that I can access. That if I didn't have the internet, I, I I still have plenty to read, to view, to watch, to listen to. I might miss a few podcasts. I might miss my miss my online stores as much as I'm giving out about that whole profiteering world that I'm part of. And um, and uh, I don't know. I might miss chatting to you, I suppose, but we could get the old carrier pigeons out and <laughs> write some letters again. Write some letters. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all moving so fast and everything we take as normal now, it's just normal to us and we think we can't live without. And um, I don't know, it's worth asking the question, isn't it? What could you live without? Time for under the hood. It is time for under the hood. It is time for under the hood. Wow, we could, who knows where we could have got to there. Okay, so I will bring in an under the hood for those of you who are sitting on, at computers for hours on end. And uh, we, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I'll bring it up again. It is Redshift. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Redshift reduces some of the the blues and the the whites in your monitor and softens them down so that you're not always look. It just reduces glare basically, and you can set how much red you want to come through in your uh, viewing uh, area on your monitors or on your laptop or whatever, and um, protect your eyes for a little bit longer if you have to look at these damn things. I have to say that I was using Redshifts on my GNOME desktop here and I turned it off because I found it distracting. Okay. I didn't like the way the screen was slowly turning red. It. I know what you mean when I switch it off. If I'm viewing photos, sometimes I switch it off because I want to see actually what they look like. Mm. But yeah, for, I mean, all the values are configurable. So if you don't like the amount of red that's coming through, you just go in and reduce it in the config files. Tone it down a bit. Tone it down a bit, yeah. Because it doesn't, um, let me just check Redshift there, because it is just, yeah, it's just an enabled, uh, you can suspend it for a while. I have it set to auto start and you get info. Um, but yes, if you want to actually um, get in there and um, change the way, use values that are, are, are better for your uh, particular use case, um, you need to go to a comp file for that. Yeah. Um, so under the hood for me, I, I'll give a few more. Again, this is a, going to be a bit like the D episode, but he sent in a few beauties. He's uh, he uh, he joined us not so long ago, and he has um, kind of given us a few Vi ones, for example. Um, so P3P will paste three lines. Uh, Y3Y will yank or copy three lines. Um, he is an avid Vi user and uh, came back to me with those. Another one he mentioned was on an Android phone with hotspot and tethering. If you enable, you can enable USB tethering to uh, pick up and install, let's say, drivers from another machine just by using your phone. So he had a machine that didn't have Ethernet or the, the, the Wi-Fi drivers weren't being picked up. So he just USB tethered his phone, plugged it into his laptop and it picked up the Internet and he was able to download and install the the proprietary drive or the, the, the drivers that he needed that weren't available on the distro that he was installing. Oh, very good. Yeah, it was. An, I, I forgot about USB tethering. It's not something I would think about. You know, I'd always be just doing hotspot tethering or whatever. It's something I do with the, the ThinkPad all the time. I've disabled the, the Wi-Fi. So if I want to use wireless at all, I have to tether my phone ah. to the laptop. It's my attempt to make it more secure or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I like it. Yeah. And um, I better throw in an under the hood myself just to show that I actually do something. Um, <laughs> Ubuntu Mate 2004, um, the version of the image viewer on that. Sorry, I don't have the version number. I just noticed it on my partner's laptop because she's on 2004 and I'm, I'm on twenty. I'm on eighteen oh four still, um, for various reasons, and indeed. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> on the eye of Mate, which is the image viewer of Mate, it automatically—it seemed to automatically come up with a, a side pane giving image properties, and um, those image properties are available also. If you just press F nine, it will appear with that side pane, and it just gave you properties that, uh, like things that I am looking for all the time for either for the show and things like that, such as 
you know, the extension of the image, obviously, that's quite easily seen, but also the, the amount of pixels in the horizontal and vertical axes and, and um and various other bits of information that are, you know, that due to your image, that's where sometimes if you were just browsing through a file browser, that you would actually need to go right click, go to properties, go to image to get the actual, whereas they're right up there in a single click if you open the image of Eye of Mate and uh, Mate. And um, reducing the amount of clicks is something I like to do in life. Oh, yeah. So those are my under the hoods, Mark. Very good. Well, my under the hoods are basically organizations and uh, stuff like that that I've come across recently that I just want to to share with everyone else because I think they they would be quite useful the the first one uh, is open uk uh, and it's basically an organization where the the uk's open communities meet and collaborate it looks quite interesting i only came across this through the the week so i'm just kind of going and that's i i feel like this week has been a bit of a, an eye opener for me because there's so much going on in the open world at the moment i really think yeah it's kind of like this is the year of the linux desktop or <laughs> you know i i think we're we're re- we've we've probably passed that tipping point where open source is just an accepted methodology for creating quality software and it's just spreading out into to everything and it's it's nice to be living in this time where well i suppose there's a bit of a dichotomy going on like everything is becoming more open and yet everything is becoming more surveilled and closed and everything so it's nice to be on the right side of that at the moment you know mm-hmm. but uh, anyway we have the the Open UK, that's a, an organization that I think would be worth uh, checking out. Another thing I came across is OW2. Have you heard of this before, Wayne? I hadn't only that you'd put a link in the show in the uh, chat for us about um, about it. So, uh, but I, I will let you go and uh, and uh, give yeah. us a rundown of it. It's, it's an independent uh, community dedicated to open source, industry grade enterprise computing infrastructure software including middleware, application platforms, and cloud computing technologies. So they just recently had a, a conference, an online conference. It's, the videos were amazing. And it's actually going back to our last episode where Italo Vignoli um, talks about the 10th anniversary of LibreOffice and the, the many faces of a global FOSS community. So that's a really nice uh, presentation on uh, LibreOffice and on the Document Foundation and how the Document Document Foundation came about and why it, it came about in the way it did. That's well worth a watch. But even apart from that, there's 35 uh, conference videos on every kind of topic. So like the open source strategy at Orange France, uh, there's stuff on Nextcloud. Uh, it's, it's great. And um, it's something Again, this I just hadn't come across before, and I'm kind of scratching my head wondering why I hadn't come across it before, because it's been going mm-hmm. on since 2012. Yeah. You know, and maybe I had come across it before and just forgotten about it, but because I've, I've never been a conference goer anyway, so I suppose the fact that these things are going online is great for me. 
Yes, I mean, all this stuff is, unless you seek it out, you that is the only way you will kind of know about it. And how long have we been doing this stuff and have an interest in Linux and, and, and not know about this particular conference? It's really tricky, actually, but I suppose at least we get to bring it to a few people by doing the show. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully they'll find it of some use. And um, the, the final one I want to mention is Gaia X, which is a group to produce a federated data infrastructure for Europe. So what they say here is with Gaia X, representatives from politics, business and science from France and Germany, together with other European partners, create a proposal for the next generation of a data structure, data infrastructure for Europe a secure federated system that meets the highest standards of digital sovereignty while promoting innovation. This project is the cradle of an open, transparent digital ecosystem where data and services can be made available, collated and shared in an environment of trust. So, and like I said in the, the Telegram group, I kind of, I just find this exciting and it's just, I mean, it's very recent developments. Like, as far as I can tell, it's only been around since June of this year. They're looking for people to participate. Um, there's loads of stuff there on it, on, you know, what they're trying to do. And uh, I just think this particular project could really, would be really useful in complementing the regulation that we already have to make Europe a great place to to live and Hopefully we can help the, the rest of the world as well adopt these kind of ideas of open, transparent digital ecosystems uh, and ones mm -hmm. that aren't being used to, to surveil us and profit from everything we do and kind of prompt us to consume things. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're my under the hoods. Um, excellent. We should probably pull up a, an Irish phrase. Have you one? I do have one. Oh, very good. And I'm going to give both versions of this. My phrase is a single word phrase, and it is capem. Capem. Capem is I understand, and knee capem is I don't understand. Uh, either of those, if they relate to you at any point in time in your lives, it'll probably be one or the other, uh, going by what I know about life. Uh, capem or knee capem, it'll last you a lifetime. Anyway, we should probably sign off, Mark. We've kind of, I think we've, uh, we've, we've, we've dragged this one on a bit. Yes, we've gone over our, our way. Um, listen, uh, guys, if you'd like to support us, we are out there on Patreon. If you'd like to write in, we are available on info at thebinarytimes.net. Please do write to us. We do love to hear from people. We don't have loads of other social networks and, and the like on this show because we don't really uh, want to have loads of uh, <laughs> accounts on social networks. So email is, uh, is, is a way to get in contact with us um, also if you do become a patreon you do get access to our ch chat which is uh, has a great bunch of people in yes. it um, well that's all from me here on this slightly cloudy Bristol now actually even though I started it out as sunny we'll have uh, weather at the start and weather at the end of the show just so you're not disappointed still blue skies and the here. leaves are still rustling well well look at you <laughs> that's a change <laughs> alright folks see you next time goodbye though
You are listening to a member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more of our shows at otherside.network.